0: This is a special broadcast of Sokolo, a cultural forum for the new L.A. Sokolo, which means public square in Spanish, is dedicated to fostering greater intellectual and cultural fellowship across ethnic, racial, and partisan lines. Tonight's program features Willy Cao, the director of Hong Kong City Contemporary Dance Company and the Beijing Modern Dance Company. Cao, who has been called the father of modern Chinese dance, talks about the challenges and opportunities for contemporary artists in China. Faced with a brand new environment, performing artists are mixing public support with entrepreneurial efforts to bring their work to new audiences. A gifted choreographer, Mr. Cao also discusses the state of artistic expression in a rapidly changing China. Sokolo is proud to present an evening with Willie Cao.
1: My name is Willie, Willie Chao, and in fact my Chinese name is Chou Seng Yun, Chou Chen Yuan. But my name Willie was given to me when I was born because my grandfather, who was the first batch of students being sent by the Chinese government at the old time to England to study, he adopted the name Willie, you know, at that time. So when I was born, he kind of suggested that I had the same English name as he had uh, Willie, Chow Chen Yuan, so that's my full name, okay, but of course in Hong Kong being a British colony for so long we always taking a English name besides our regular Chinese Chinese name. I was born in 1955 actually my parents met in Hong Kong, my my father's from a central part of China, my mother's from Shanghai so if there wasn't something special happened in the history, they probably wouldn't meet at all. And somehow they all got to Hong Kong at the end of the 40s when the Communists taking over China. So they fled and they went to Hong Kong and they settled in Hong Kong and they met and then they, they fell in love and they gave birth to me. I must be very grateful because without the Civil War you know, probably I won't be here. My parents came to Hong Kong with nothing. You know, they came as refugees. They tried to borrow some money from the bank and they started some business, very small business in the 50s. And then they started to do a garment industry. You know, at that time, Hong Kong was such a, such a, like an adventurous place. You know, everybody's trying to do business there. And so it's becoming such a commercial city. And uh, when I was more, I remember like in the 60s, under the British rule, and of course the British, they came to Hong Kong with the idea of trying to make it a commercial place. They didn't care much about the cultural development in Hong Kong. For a long time, we were treated as a colonial person, and we were given a British passport, but that passport didn't allow us to go to to study or to work or to live in England, you know. Whenever we go to, uh, we want to go to London. We have to apply for visa, you know. And in fact, it's more difficult to go to 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 England than to go to anywhere else in the world. Uh, because we are a col- colonial you know, subject. In our school system, we have two kind of systems. Okay? One is what we call the English system, one is a Chinese system. I was born and raised in this Chinese system, meaning my school, we use Chinese language as our uh, main language, but we have to study English as our second language. Whereas if you are in an English system, you use English as your major language, and then you have to study a second language, which is not necessarily Chinese but you can do French or um, Spanish or other other language at that time the, that's the, the sort of uh, education system in in China during my younger time you know I still remember Hong Kong is being called a cultural desert in the whole of Hong Kong at that time like in the early 70s there's only one theater the city hall what we call city hall this city hall they have two halls one is called a concert hall one is the theater These two facilities being uh, made available to overseas ballet and overseas orchestras, but most of the time they were lent to the schools to do their graduation parties and that sort of uh, thing. So for a long time, we had very little opportunity to see very good, performances in the, in the theatre. So until uh, like in the early 70s, um, we have what we call the uh, Hong Kong Arts Festival started uh, there. And partly the reason is because in the late 60s there was this big uh, confrontation of the local people with the British government at that time, of the, or the Hong Kong government at that time. I was uh, about uh, 13, uh, 14. I've Kind of understanding the situation, of course, uh, not necessarily the deeper meaning of that. But I still remember there were a lot of bombs on the streets, you know, being laid by the uh, local people trying to scare away the British. That was a very big confrontation at that time, and that's why, after that incident, the government started to invest or trying to cultivate a so-called a local culture, trying to provide the people in Hong Kong some sort of um, cultural activities. At that time, you know, in the 60s and sev- early 70s, you know, we were very happy if, you know, there are some ballets or some orchestras playing in the concert hall and then we can buy tickets and Good to see it and I think it's a kind of entertainment and you know, at least to fill up some kind of discrepancy there. You know, we need something to fill up the empty time. Whereas before there was nothing. And I still remember when I returned from the States back to Hong Kong, the most important thing in the whole year is the beauty pageant. You know, the Miss Hong Kong competition. During that night, everybody stay home to watch television. That's the most significant cultural activities at that time. I find like I was in the middle of this vacuum, you know, nothing happening. I really felt suffocated at that time, you know. Mm. Part of me, I felt very uh, betrayed. You know, like in the Western world, you know, you can enjoy all these cultural activities. Why in my hometown, you know, that's, you know, nothing there? You know, so the, partly that reason I. I gathered with my friends, some of my friends, so we said, you know, we must do something to correct this. So we formed, in 1979, we formed the City Contemporary Dance Company. I studied in Pacific Lutheran University, which I felt uh, very warm about that because uh, in America, you know, you have this liberal art education. You know, you study business administration as your major, and yet you are required to do other works you know and one very important elective subject is modern dance so I studied uh, modern dance the first year when I was in the Pacific Lutheran University and then I remember last year the fourth year I had all my courses taken dance (laughs) so I end up with more dance credits than the credits in business administration but of course I declared my major as business administration because you know I had You know, no idea, you know, in the future I will be involved in in dance so heavily When I return to Hong Kong, I still have this idea of Oh, I must continue my family business because this is my duty as the only child of my family But then, of course, the two years in Hong Kong in the university studying the master program You know, that's also given me a chance to you know, to think about my future am i going to be a businessman for the rest of my life or am i going to fight for something that i truly enjoy or to try to do uh, a chance to to do something that i really appreciate so after i graduated after i got my master program i had a very <laughs> serious talk with my mother you know my father passed away you know at an early age but then i talked to my mother And I asked for her support, her understanding, to give me some money (laughs) to set up a a company, uh, a professional company. I said I must have a professional company because as you see the dance, you know, if you want to do dance, if you want to be a dancer, you have to commit yourself and do it, you know, uh, every day, you know. So it's um, very important to become a professional company. You know, as I mentioned, you know, my parents, when they first came from China, you know, they had nothing but after 20 or 30 years, you know, and also that uh, reflective of the Hong Kong situation, our earlier generation, you know, they had to fight for their livelihood, you know, they have to do business, you know, otherwise they cannot support themselves. But for myself and also my generation, my kind of generation, we starting to, actually society itself is accumulating some wealth, our generation, we don't need to work to support our family. Rather, the other way around, our family has some money to support the younger generation to help them to uh, seek their own uh, direction. Sometimes uh, people ask me, you know, uh, are you lucky? You know, are you in uh, such a fortunate because you have a wealthy family to support you to do a uh, company? But after thinking, I see this as a general situation in Hong Kong because it's not a very peculiar case, you know, it's not a single case but during the late 70s, Hong Kong is arriving at a situation that the younger generation, like myself, I was born in Hong Kong Hong Kong is my home, Where's my parents, they never thought of Hong Kong as their home because their home is in Shanghai, mm-hmm. it's in mainland China I considered Hong Kong my home and then when I returned to Hong Kong I felt the urge to do something for my home, hometown, homeland that's why the City Contemporary Dance Company was born of course it's a very difficult time because when we first started I went to some teachers, dance teachers and asked advice the first comment that I got from my teacher was oh if you want to dance seriously you better go to the States, you better go to Europe because Hong Kong is not a place for dance, not a place for professional or serious dance. You know, I want to do something in my hometown. This, this is a place where I can identify with myself. So that's why we stay and stay on and fight and do a lot of things then. The first batch of dances we got is uh, about 12, including our resident choreographer, a lot of dancers, uh, like myself, uh, receive educations in the Western world and then we return to Hong Kong to try to find our ways there. It just happened that my family can support this company. So in the beginning we have 12. Of course, it's a very difficult situation because we don't have audience, we don't have a place to perform, we don't have money besides my family money. The dancers, you know, at that time, we, we were not very experienced. You know, we are just very green and young, just freshly graduated from the schools. You know, we have all this ambition and no experience. So everything is so difficult. And fortunately, in the mid-80s, the Hong Kong government, they started to realize, you know, well, actually, uh, Lady Thatcher, I'm, I'm not sure you remember her. Lady Thatcher went to Beijing to talk with uh, Chairman Deng Xiaoping at that time in 1982 to get the negotiation to prolong the contract with China to rent, continuing the Hong Kong situation. Of course she failed. And then I remember in 1982 when we were in a restaurant and suddenly we heard the news that uh, she was um, not successful in in Beijing and then the exchange rate of the Hong Kong dollar. It used to be one American dollar in exchange with 5.8 Hong Kong dollar. But then on that day, we heard the news that one US dollar equals to seven and then after another hour, one US dollars equals to eight and then nine and then ten, you know, it was really like Hong Kong is collapsing and this was so scary and my banker at that time he knocked at my door in the evening saying, you know, I already prepared you an air ticket and you just sign this paper and you become Canadian citizen and then just flee, go, go away, you know <laughs> you know, everybody finds you know, it's no hope because the communists is coming and they are going to take over every property and you know, so people with money, you better go, you know, don't stay. At that time, you know, I'm not familiar with the communists. You know, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. I was very well protected and I have emotional attachment with Hong Kong. You know, I don't want to desert it. I don't want to go away. So I said, we must stay to do something in a way that forced us to rethink what is Hong Kong? Before we're just doing something oh, we enjoy, you know, and people come to us say, in the beginning, and people say, oh, you must do something Hong Kong, do some Hong Kong characters, you know, you, you must project some Hong Kong image in your work. You know, what is Hong Kong at that time is, oh, it's part China, part Western, kind of East meets West. You know, that's uh, the very uh, jargon, uh, very very strong. So so in our works, we try to use some Chinese movement with ballet. So we are on point, and yet we are doing uh, handkerchief, you know, that sort of thing. That's the idea of Hong Kong. But after 1982, you know, with this big shock, we start to think, what is truly Hong Kong? You know, and then we start to do a soul searching and try to find what is Hong Kong. I came to this conclusion. We really don't want to listen to anybody. We don't want to show anybody that their idea of Hong Kong, but we want to sound our own voice, what we truly believe, what we truly think of ourselves. So at that time, we started to, to do something really on our own. We want to speak our voice. Really, starting at that time, in the 80s, mid-80s, we started to realize you know, we have to be on our own. You know, we cannot follow anyone else. You know, in fact, the first 12 members of the companies, we share everything. Because we don't have an artistic director, every decision is made collectively. We are all young and green and we want to do something just so enthusiastic. You <laughs> say We could do it together. Until in the mid-80s, we started to you know, kind of division of labor, you know, to have this idea and who is better in doing the technical works, handling the administration, and some were concentrating doing choreography. And for myself, actually in 1984, I quit performing on stage because I find to direct the company and to do choreography takes up too much energy, and I could not do all things always i find the tension the shock is also becoming an opportunity also a springboard for you to go on to something else because otherwise you're so so comfortable in a situation that you don't really think of something else you know what you can becoming you can be different i always find there a situation that helps me to advance to go to another stage It is always this kind of a special time and special event that really gives me um, inspiration to go on. And precisely that, you know, in the 82, that's the time we want to become a real Hong Kong company rather than a company in the eyes of others. This is Hong Kong, but we want to be ourselves. Interestingly, starting in 1979, the beginning of the the City Contemporary Dance Company, also the China, they started what they call an open door policy in 1979. That's why in the 1980s, you know, that uh, China starting to allow some sort of foreign influence into China. In fact, City Contemporary Dance Company was the first so-called modern dance company being invited to perform in China as early as in 1980, we performed there. The funny thing is, the first time we performed in a theatre, that was about 600 seaters. And I remember looking down at the audience, it was packed, you know, and and they told us there was about like 1,000 people sitting in the audience because I see even on the aisle, there was people squatting and watching. But the funny thing is, after the performance, I heard a few claps and disappear. Nobody stayed. Then I was wondering, they must be hating us or they don't like the performance. But then the second night, you know, the, the night when we were uh, returning home, and suddenly around 12 o'clock, midnight, there was a knock at the door and there was a young choreographer from the local dance company who sneaked into our room and asking us a lot of questions about the dance in the outside world. Obviously, I found out later that before we arrived, they were still told that Modern dance is poisonous from the West. This is something derived from the capitalistic world, so it's uh, very dangerous. So all the people with correct mind, they should not look at the uh, modern dance, modern dance because it's so corrupted. It is not following the, the communist mainstream. But until then, you know, we started to develop a very good relationship with the local artists there and we started to understand the situation there and then we we talk and when we communicate, we write letters to each other and then eventually in the mid-80s, I was invited to teach in China. In, In fact, in 1987, the Guangdong Dance School, they started a modern dance program in their college level and I was invited to be the teacher there. So that's the uh, starting of the um, modern dance into the China. Of course, in the beginning, there was a lot of debate similar to Hong Kong. You know, they want us to do something Chinese. as different from the Western modern dance. We don't want to copy the Western modern dance. We want to do a modern dance with the uh, Chinese characteristics. Then, of course, we have to ask, what is Chinese characteristics? <laughs> Handkerchief or long sleeves and uh, now so-called Chinese modern dance is like that. Of course, the reason they asked me to go there because they, I think some people, they have a bigger vision, they see it's more than that. More than just to satisfy other people's viewpoint or the vision. What I always said, modern dance is something to encourage a freedom for expression. And I don't really mind to see a Chinese dancer eating a hamburger, a McDonald's hamburger, because this is a modern world, you know, you have the influence from all over the world you don't need to stay in your very limited surrounding, you have all the influence, you have all the experience of the whole world it is up to you, your freedom to make your selection. If you make an honest opinion then it is truly your work you know, and it's not necessarily whether you look like a Chinese or you you move like a Chinese but it is necessary you move honestly, then the work is Chinese. Because, like myself, I cannot make an American modern dance because I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Although I studied in America for four years, but when I returned to Hong Kong, all my concern, all my thoughts and my feelings is from Hong Kong, about Hong Kong. And then when I do a work, it is Hong Kong already. When I study, you know, in America, the modern dance idea is you honestly doing what you believe, right? I'm just following the footstep of Martha Graham, although I'm not doing her movement, but the spirit, the idea of modern dance is do what you truly believe. But somehow, when we go to the Oriental world or the Eastern world, suddenly there are critics, a government people coming and say you must do something like this. You cannot do that there are a lot of restriction but for me you know i say no my understanding of modern dance is something i s- truly speak for myself if if people think it's very m- much like a, an american modern dance so be it i've much very influenced by the american modern dance and but when i return to china when i work that's part of me i cannot deny it The modern world is getting smaller, and you cannot ignore these kind of influence. But I think the art now is not lacking what we call national characteristic, but the art is lacking what I call the honesty. You know, so you must really work from inside out. That's the most important. Otherwise, it becomes propaganda, becoming a tourist uh, advertisement. That's why it is dangerous sometimes, you know, because it's becoming very subversive in a way You know, that's probably why when the modern dance first introduced into China I always get into trouble because uh, a lot of people didn't like it They thought it's too westernized, too subversive You know, it's not following the order of the Chinese government set out You know, you should have more of Chinese characteristics more of addressing the um, heroism or patriotism in China. Whereas if you really speak something honestly, somehow you find it differently. You, know, you find there are lots of difficulties now facing, not only in China, but in everywhere in the world. You know, we're facing the same different issues, but you still tackle a lot of problems there. That's why I want the dance reflecting a true, honest feeling. But of course, some dancer, or some choreographer, if he's uh, much involved in his own personal world, that's fine. But if a dancer or choreographer, he's very concerned of the history of the national development, that should be reflected uh, in the work. We always invited guest teachers from overseas to teach, but I try to make the dancers from the companies also, doing their own choreography. When I bring the company to the Western world, always one thing people ask: you know, what is the significant thing that the Chinese modern dance bring to the world of modern dance? Mm-hmm. And I always say it is not a special movement, you know, because Tai Chi or meditative, uh, that kind of internalizing movement. You know, sometimes it's been so much associated with the Oriental world, of, of the, the Eastern world the eastern people is not necessarily so. Sometimes they have so much energy, so much anger, so much aggression. You know, they need to express also through their dance. Whereas if you look at the western modern dance, they also taken a lot of influence from the eastern world. I think the movement, the style of movement is very superficial. I think it's the, the essence of modern dance. You know, If you ask me, the contribution of the Chinese modern dance into the world, I think is a sense of collective. Collectivity, because uh, when I look at the history of the Western modern dance, I see Martha Graham, and the Martha Graham's students like Paul Taylor, or Eric Hawkins, or Merce Cunningham. They are all very different. You know, they like a rebellion. But when they becoming mature dancers, they will leave the teacher to form another company, and they gather another group of dancers around them, and all of them will work for this particular leader until these younger generation, they becoming another master. But in China, I find it much easier to work in a collective way. You know, like a lot of our dancers, our young dancers, I encourage them to work on their own, to become a unique dancer, a unique choreographer. They try to find their way of uh, sounding their voice. You know them, the way of movement would be very different from the others but when they start to do choreography, you see the rest of the company they will support him, they will commit themselves to experiment his style of movement. The reason for this kind of easiness to give up oneself and to support the others and in, the, in return, the other will give up their own ways to, to help me It's probably because of the, well, I'm not sure because I'm not a sociologist, but my gathering is that the way the Chinese uh, live in such a crowded place. We don't have much our own private space when we were brought up in the early age. Up until very late, you know, we say, oh, we have our private room. But we always shared our bed with our sisters and brothers. Mm you know, we study together, we work together, we shower together, we sleep together. So that's kind of personal closeness, you know, probably make um, a very easy uh, way of, you know, identifying with each other. But when we have this idea, oh, we must be different, but then it's easier for a Chinese to, to say, okay, If you do want to do something different, okay, although I don't agree, but yes, I would like to help you and and, and I, I do it anyway, you know, and whereas it's much more difficult for an American, say, you know, to say, you know, if I believe A, you know, you want me to work on B, then, you know, it's very difficult, but of course I... I'm not sure how long is it going to take because uh, the, um, the way of living is changing in China, you know, and it's when it's becoming more and more uh, metropolitan and, you know, we see the younger generation, they now have their own room, their own toys, and they w- don't want to share it with other kids, you know, so, so I think it's, uh, you know, eventually probably it will... The same no. in the future, <laughs> but at least at this moment, I find it's uh, very interesting to work in China or in Hong Kong. The experiment in Hong Kong and um, in China uh, leads me to think, you know, there's a, another possible way to do modern dance, to do individual dance. You know.
0: You've been listening to a special presentation of SokoLo, an evening with Willie Cao. The Los Angeles Public Library and Socolo, a cultural forum for the New L.A., present this monthly lecture series. Socolo, which means public square in Spanish, is a nonpartisan, multi-ethnic forum providing an opportunity for intellectual fellowship in Southern California. Sponsored by 89.3 KPCC, the Los Angeles Times, and the Latino Weekly, Socolo is made possible by the Library Foundation of Los Angeles. For more information or to listen to past shows, please visit our website, socolola.org. Thanks for joining us.